First Peter chapter 4, where we left off last week, picking up at verse 12. And tonight I believe we should be able to work our way through to the end of this chapter. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. As we said last week, and we'll just remind you again, where Peter is writing here to a church that is under attack. A group of believers that is suffering persecution from friends, former friends, family that have not embraced their Savior. And they're being put out of homes. They're being put out of occupations. They are having properties taken from them. They are being driven from their, from their villages, from their towns, from everything that they've known. And Peter writes to such a, a body of believers, and the Spirit of God wants to address the concerns of a group of people who are under pressure. People who are under attack. And I don't know if you sense this in our world today, but there's a lot of pressure in our world. People are living lives that are filled with pressure, with spiritual attack of the enemy. How many of you know that marriages are under attack in our world today? That young people are under attack in our world today? That seniors are under attack in our world today? If you're living and breathing and you call on the name of Jesus Christ, you are under attack today. And so the Spirit of God is writing to a people who are under attack. And we want to pick it up tonight in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Let's read that together. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ... You are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You that we are found together in this place tonight. We thank You that You have revealed to us Your Word. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come now tonight to break that word apart and to apply it to our hearts and our lives where we each individually sit tonight. Lord, there are some here that are facing tremendous opposition, tremendous difficulty. And Father, we pray tonight that you would take your word and use it to encourage us tonight. Use it to strengthen your people tonight as we commit ourselves into your hand. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be quieted before you tonight. And that we would hear from heaven tonight. Not from me, but from heaven. And Lord, speak, we pray, through your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends. Dear friends. Verse 12 begins with that little phrase, dear friends. And I want you to feel in that, and I want you to hear in that, the warmth. The warmth of that greeting. That the Spirit of God is speaking to those who are under attack whose lives are feeling the pressure, who are being 
used and abused and being harangued by the world. And the Spirit of God comes to those who are under pressure, and He comes to you tonight who are under pressure and feeling the pressure of life and the, and the heaviness of the, the load that you carry, and He speaks to you, and He speaks with this warm greeting, and He says, Dear friends, treasured acquaintance, one whom I love, who I value. You are my dear, dear friends. It comes as a revelation to some to know that, that God is not angry with you. God is not angry with you. Many times we've, depending on your background, depending on how you were raised, you, you might have been raised with, with God as being this very austere kind of a commander with, a, with an iron rod just ready to pounce, ready to correct, ready to crack you over the head. But tonight I want you to hear God's voice and the heart of God in this, in this passage as He begins as he begins to bring comfort to those who are under pressure, and he says, dear friends, dear friends. There's a song that we sing that I, that I love so well, and we sang it this morning in, in the 11 o'clock service. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. He calls me friend. I am his friend. Are you his friend tonight? He calls you by that name, dear friends. You see, God is not angry with you. God has judged your sin in the body of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And the matter was settled then. And all of your sin, all the sin of your past, all the sin of your present, and yes, all the sin even of your future, was nailed to the cross in the body of Jesus Christ. And so your sin has been condemned. And so God is no longer angry with you. And isn't that the message that the angels came to declare on that Judean hillside so many so many years ago to that ragtag bunch of shepherds. Peace. Peace on earth. God has come with a message of peace. God is bringing the Prince of Peace to be your peace. Goodwill. The goodwill of God toward men is being outpoured in the person of Jesus Christ. And you and I tonight who are found in the body and in the family of God tonight, we can hear Him say to us, Dear friends. And we can feel His warmth. We can feel that warm embrace. It's as though we are invited into the very, the very sitting room of God. And He stoked that fire and He has that log burning just so. And it's casting a warm ambiance throughout the room and a, and a warm light and a and there's a warmth and an embrace in that room and in that place. And you've come to the door and you've knocked. And he's opened it up. And when he sees you, dear friend, dear friend, I've made preparation. Come, come, come on in. And you sit down in the chair that was provided for you, in the place that was made for you. And he calls you and he looks you in the face. And he wants you to know tonight that you're dear to him, that you are dear to him, though you are suffering. Though life has buffeted you, though there's pressure, though you've been harassed and harangued, yet God wants you to know that you are treasured. You are His treasure. You are His friend. And He invites you into His presence. And He begins His words of comfort this way, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful, at the painful trial you are suffering. Do not be surprised. You know, it comes as a shock to many. 
to know that once we've turned our lives over to Jesus Christ, that there is still a few rocks on that road. There's still a few bends, unexpected twists and unexpected turns. And sometimes there's difficulty. And sometimes we can be surprised. God, why me? Why me? An old song. I won't say exactly when it was from, but if you're old enough to recognize it, you're probably about my vintage or, or older. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. Let's sing it now. Marianne, no? Along with the sun, she doesn't know that. So. Along with the sunshine, there's going to be a little rain sometimes. God is saying here, don't be surprised. Dear friends, don't let it rock your world. Don't let it get you all unhitched and unglued when these difficult things come into your life. I never promised you a rose garden. I never said it was going to be an easy road. In fact, did you know that being in, being in God's will is no guarantee of an easy road? Now, there are some that would like, like you'd like to think that. That if I, if only I was doing exactly what God wanted me to be doing, then all of these petty difficulties of life would just sort of melt away behind me. But I've got news for you tonight. That's not the case. In fact, being in the, God's, in the center of God's will sometimes is very often that lightning rod that's going to bring difficulty into your path. Of course, we think of Jesus. In the very center of the will of God. And yet called upon to suffer. And He learned obedience through suffering, Scripture tells us. So don't be surprised, dear friends. Don't be surprised. Don't let it rock your world. Don't let it steal your peace when difficulty comes into your life. We do a real disservice to young believers, to, to new believers, when we give them the false impression that, that the life of a believer is an easy life. And that the only things that God has for you is ease and abundance and prosperity. And yes, God wants to bless His children. And yes, God wants to touch and He wants to heal but there's also difficulty that comes into our life when we follow Jesus Christ. And so he says, don't be surprised when, when these painful trials come. In the original language, this really is speaking of a fiery, a fiery trial. A fiery trial. Ephesians 6 and 16 says that the enemy of our souls is the one who throws fiery darts. These fiery darts of persecution, these fiery darts of rejection. Fiery darts of difficulty, fiery darts of sickness and disease. And the enemy throws these in your path. And the Father is trying to encourage you tonight. And He's saying, don't, don't be surprised when these fiery darts come toward you. As though something strange were happening to you. As though something strange were happening. Remember with me uh, Jesus' words from John 15. John 15 and 18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. Well, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours. And they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. 
If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. And if I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what was written in the law. They hated me without reason. And so the Spirit of God here tonight is saying, are you under pressure? Has, has following Jesus Christ brought some difficulty and some pain into your life? Have you begun to realize and experience that the road is not always smooth as glass? That there's some difficulty, that there's some fiery darts that have come at you from time to time? Dear friends, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised as though these fiery darts were, were something strange happening to you. Don't you know that your Savior... That Jesus, the very Son of God, was hated by the world. And if you're going to belong to Him, it's going to hate you too. It's going to hate you too. Remember, remember Jesus' words. And remember those who have gone before us. Remember those who have gone before us and, and the outcomes of their lives. I think of the early church leaders and the apostles. Sometimes when we have difficulty come into our lives, we seem to think that this is some strange occurrence. That this, is, that this is some total surprise and it kind of rocks our world entirely. And we wonder, well, what, what does this mean? Does, has God turned His back on me? Have I done something wrong? Am I being punished? Is God punishing me? And God says, no, I'm not. You are my dear friend. I just want you to be aware that these fiery darts that are going to come into your life are nothing strange. Remember, they happen to your Savior. And if you belong to Him, they're going to hate you too. And so what happened to the early church leaders and the apostles? Now, the only apostle's death that the Bible records is James, the brother of Jesus. The circumstances of the deaths of the other apostles can only be known based on church tradition, so we shouldn't put too much weight on them, but, but still these are the, this is the, the word, this is the knowledge that we have of what happened to those who have gone before us in the faith. You remember Stephen. You remember Stephen stoned to death by a mob which included Saul of Tarsus. James, of course, Acts 12 and 2 tells us that King Herod had James put to death with the sword. Likely a reference to beheading. Peter, the most commonly accepted church tradition in regards to the death of Peter is that he was crucified upside down on an X-shaped cross in Rome in fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy in John 21.18. Think of Matthew. Matthew had said that he suffered martyrdom in Ethiopia, killed by a sword wound. John, the Apostle John, faced martyrdom when he was boiled in a huge basin of boiling oil during a wave of persecution in Rome. However, he was miraculously delivered from death and then sentenced to the mines on the prison island of Patmos, where he wrote, God revealed to him that the book that we call the Revelation of John. He was later freed and returned to what is now modern-day Turkey and died there as an old man, the only apostle to die peacefully. James, the brother of Jesus, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was thrown from the southeast pinnacle of the temple which is 100 feet down. 
when he refused to deny his faith in Christ. When they discovered that he survived the fall, his enemies beat him to death with a club. And this was the same pinnacle that Satan took Jesus to and had him... showed him the temptations. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, was a missionary to Asia. He witnessed in present-day Turkey and was martyred for his preaching in Armenia, being flayed to death by a whip. Andrew was crucified also on an X-shaped cross in Greece. After being whipped severely by seven soldiers, they tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that when he was led toward the cross, Andrew saluted it in these words, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. The tradition tells us that he continued to preach to his tormentors for two days from that cross until he died. Thomas the Apostle was stabbed with a spear in India during one of his missionary trips there. Matthias the Apostle, chosen to replace the traitor Judas Iscariot, was stoned and then beheaded. And Paul the Apostle was tortured and then beheaded by the Emperor Nero in Rome in A.D. 67. Dear friends, dear friends, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised when these painful trials, when these fiery darts come from the enemy as though something strange were happening to you. In fact, in fact, it's quite common And Jesus said, if you belong to me, the world is going to look at you like they looked at me. If you have within you the Spirit of God, the world is going to be repelled by you as it was repelled by Christ. Jesus calls each one of us to take up our cross. Take up our cross. Take up that instrument of torture and death every day. Lay our our lives down. And follow Him. Paul put it this way. He says, I am crucified with Christ. This is the state of my life. This is the state of my daily condition. I am crucified with Christ. Paul, Saul, whatever you want to call me, that is dead and buried. Paul has been hung on that tree with Jesus Christ and I was crucified there. And the life I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God. Paul also said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So the Spirit of God comes to us tonight, those of us who are facing difficulty, those of us who are facing trial, those of us who are facing these painful darts, these these fiery darts from the enemy. Maybe the fiery darts are coming at you from a family member that just simply will not accept, will not accept your faith, will not accept your Savior. And you're feeling the rejection and the sting of that. Dear friends, don't be surprised. Dear friends, don't be surprised. Don't let it rock your world. As though something strange were happening really simply means that you belong to Jesus Christ. You belong to Him. And because you belong to Him, the world world is pushing back against you. But rejoice. But rejoice. Verse 13. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. 
For the spirit of, the, of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. Dear friends, don't be surprised when these fiery trials come against you as though this was something strange, but rejoice. Rejoice. You say, are you crazy? Rejoice when the fiery darts are coming at me. Scripture says rejoice. And how do we rejoice in the midst of suffering? How do we rejoice in the midst of pressure that comes against us? Rejoice knowing that you are participating in Christ's legacy, His mission, His life. The suffering is only one more proof that you belong to Him. That He is yours and you are His. Rejoice. Rejoice that you bear that name, that the name of Christ belongs to you. It's an accurate description of you. That you in fact are a Christian, Christ's one. That there is something in your life that is genuine and genuinely from above. And the world is pushing back because it recognizes you for who you are in Christ Jesus. This temporal, earthly world is pressing hard against that which is eternal. And when God has placed His new life into you, don't be surprised. Dear friends, don't be shocked. Don't let it rock your world. Don't let it send your mind into a tizzy and Asking questions of why me, why me, why me? I don't deserve any of this. But remember, remember Jesus and the suffering that he bore. Remember those who have gone before us in the faith and the suffering that they've borne. And realize that these are no strange things. In fact, this is quite a common occurrence. And even today in, in our world, it's quite a common occurrence. In the Western world, we, we live somewhat distant distantly separated from some of these realities. But there are believers right today around the world in forgotten corners that are suffering for the will of Christ. And you and I are also under attack in various ways because we belong to Jesus Christ. So rejoice. Rejoice that you belong to Him. Rejoice that heaven is your home, that Christ is your Savior, that God is your Father. That you have an eternal home in heaven with Him. That you have His Spirit living within you. Rejoice! This is just one more proof that you really belong to Him. And rejoice because you will be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. I like that little word, overjoyed. Have you been ever been filled with joy? Think of an in, a situation in your life, a circumstance. And you thought that in that moment of time, you, you couldn't possibly get any more full of joy. Maybe it was on the, on the moment of your graduation from a course or a university. And you were full of joy and pride at the accomplishment. Looking forward to the future with great hope and expectation. You were filled with joy. And you could hardly wipe the smile from your face. Perhaps, perhaps ladies, it was the day when he finally got down on that one knee. Brought before you the biggest diamond you'd ever seen. Okay, let's change that. Brought a really nice diamond that you could almost see. 
And your heart was filled with joy. And you thought, it can't get better than this. Or maybe it was that moment when when your son or your daughter was born and you held that little one in your arms and you looked into that little face and your heart was so full you could scarcely contain it and you were filled with joy. Well, the Scriptures tell me tonight that there's a day coming when you will be overjoyed. That all the fullness you've ever known of all the pleasures you've ever had of all the triumphs you've ever experienced. And praise be to God, there's many, many joys and many triumphs in this life. But the Scriptures tell me that on that day when Jesus Christ is revealed, when His glory is revealed, you will be overjoyed. You will have joy that's just bursting out of the seams. You'll be explosive with joy. Overjoyed. When His glory is revealed, joy that cannot, joy that will not be contained. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. If you suffer for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Now here before us in verse 14, we have a bit of a conditional statement. If you suffer for the name of Christ, you are blessed. It's conditional on the fact that your suffering is, in fact, because of the name of Christ. Just a word here. Some Christians allow themselves to be obnoxious. To be unnecessarily rubbing people the wrong way. To be rude and inconsiderate of non-believers. To be judgmental. To present God as some sort of an angry despot who's waiting to pounce on the ungodly and then And then when someone takes them to task for their anger, for their... They comfort themselves with the notion that they're being persecuted for the name of Christ. And I say that's nonsense. That's nonsense. If you're suffering for the name of Christ, then you are one who is like Christ. With an arm extended to the one who's found caught in their sin. The one who will wipe away tears from that woman who is caught in the very act. You will be that one who is like Christ, caring for the one who is lost. Caring for the woman who is at the well that no one else will talk to because it's not proper. You will be like Him with a heart that's bigger than religious tradition, but a heart that embraces people. And so this promise is for those who suffer for the name of Christ. Because your life looks like His. Because your character emulates His. Because His Spirit in you is developing the very character of Christ. If you suffer because of the character of Christ that is in you, you are blessed. See, the Scriptures are very clear. God so loved the world. He's not willing, He's not desiring that any should perish. And if your life is filled with that same passion, you want to reach those who do not know Him, Because you are not willing that they should perish. And if you are suffering because your your life reflects Christ's life, then the Scripture says you are blessed. There's no, no shame in suffering for that name. No shame in suffering for that name. It does not mean because these difficulties have come into your life and because pressure has come into your life, it does not mean that you've been forgotten by God. It doesn't mean that He's forgotten you. 
It doesn't mean that you don't matter to Him. It doesn't mean that you don't have enough faith to trust Him. There's no shame in recognizing the fact that you live in a fallen world and that difficulties and trials come. Come to those who bear the name of Jesus Christ, who bear His character in this world. There's no shame in suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. In fact, praise God that you bear that name. The name of Christ, Christ's one, the Christian. Dear friends, don't be surprised at these fiery darts that come against you as though they were something strange, but rejoice. Rejoice when you suffer for the cause of Christ. Because it's one more proof that you belong to Him. That you belong to Him. That He is yours and you are His. Rejoice. On that day when His glory is revealed, you will be overjoyed. These light and momentary afflictions, as Paul called them, these light and momentary afflictions will, will hardly, hardly even register on your mind at that moment when the glory of Christ is revealed. When you stand before your Savior, when He says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. The difficulties, the trials will all melt away into obscurity. It will seem so trivial when that joy, that overjoy, overreaching joy, that explosive joy rises up in your soul at that moment. And all the cares of this life, all of the persecutions of this life, all of the insults you've ever borne will seem so insignificant in the light of the glory of His presence. Verse 17, For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. You see, it's a matter of trust. When you and I come into difficult situations in our lives, it's, it's an opportunity for us to begin to trust. To begin to trust God's will as opposed to our will. To trust God's choosing as opposed to our choosing. Trust in what God has done for you. Trust in the fact that God, the gospel of Jesus Christ has reached your hearing. Trust that Jesus Christ has in fact paid it all for you and reconciled us to God through His body on the tree. Trust in God that He has adopted you into His into his own family. And the Scriptures are clear that everyone that he accepts as a son, he disciplines, he trains, he teaches. And so do not be surprised when these fiery trials come because the Father, your heavenly Father, is preparing you. Preparing you for spiritual victories on ahead. It's a matter of trust. When you're faced in this difficult situation, will you... Will you look around at the circumstance and allow your world to be rocked? Or will your eyes rise above? Will your eyes lock on His? And will you trust Him to carry you through? Trust God to keep you even in times of judgment and correction. It might be difficult. It might be hard. And in fact, it is hard. It is hard. When our Heavenly Father is beginning to strengthen our spiritual legs for that 
road ahead. When He's beginning to work in your spirit and develop character in you, the character of heaven, of course it's going to be difficult for someone that was born of flesh. That process is going to bring with it some, some struggles and some difficulty, but it's in those moments that we are called on to trust. To trust God even in the times of judgment and correction. It was difficult for Jesus, who in the agony of that moment prayed, Father, if it's Your will, then, t- then let this cup pass from Me. Father, if it's Your will, if, if there's any other way. And yes, it's difficult. Sometimes God calls us to difficult things. And sometimes you want to drop to your knees and say, Lord, isn't there some other way? Isn't there some other way? But Jesus trusted, and we are called to trust as well. Jesus' reply was, not my will. Ultimately, Father, not my will, but Your will be done. Your will be done. And you and I, when we're under pressure, when we're facing difficulty, when we're facing that stress that comes maybe from persecution, maybe from sickness or other difficulties that come into our life, other other fiery darts that come from the enemy. We need to trust. We need to take our eyes off the circumstance and lift them to heaven and lock our eyes on His and trust Him. And say with Jesus, not my will, but Yours be done. Father, I will keep my focus on You even though I've got to walk through this difficult road. You see, it will be infinitely easier for, for us to trust Him than what is awaiting the ungodly and the unrepentant, the passage tells us. If it's hard for the righteous to be saved, then what will become of the ungodly and the unrepentant and the sinner? So trust. Trust God even in the midst of, of difficulty. Trust yourself to His will. Trust yourself to His will. If you are suffering according to God's will, commit yourselves to Him. He is faithful. He is faithful. He will not, he will not drop you. He will not lose you from His grasp. He will not forget you. But He's calling you and me tonight. If you're going through a difficult thing, if you're going through a time of pressure in your life, He wants to encourage you tonight. And He calls you His friend. And more than that, He calls you His dear friend. Dear friend, I don't want your world to be rocked. I don't want you to lose your way. I don't want you to lose your hope. These things are not strange. But they come because you belong to Christ. And the difficulties will one day melt away in the glory of His presence. And you will be so overjoyed in that moment. So trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And I'll carry you through. And I'll walk with you. Keep doing His will. And keep following Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word tonight. Thank You that You're an ever-present help in times of trouble. Thank You that even though sometimes the road that is before us is a difficult road, our God is a victorious God.
And when we lock our eyes on yours, and when we place our trust fully in you, we can look beyond the circumstance, we can look beyond the difficulty and see that moment of glory, that moment of joy that is waiting just, just around the corner. Father, we thank you. We thank you that tonight you call us your friends, that you want us to be encouraged to know that even though the road sometimes seems hard, and even though that there is difficulty and fiery darts that come our way, yet you are our faithful God. You will not leave us. You will not forsake us. Your promise is sure. Our salvation is safe in your hand. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, encourage your people tonight, we pray. Amen.